Hello, um, Michael, how are you doing? And welcome to this week's In The Line Out. And uh, yeah, so it's uh, it's finally come, the Six Nations. And of course, first up for Ireland, they have Wales this weekend. And, uh, you know, th- this is a clash that's usually interesting, that has usually uh, been an interesting game down the years. What's it, what are your thoughts on uh, this one? Well, this is a massive game for both sides because... Uh, Ireland have finished in third place in each of the last two seasons. And Wales are just coming in on the back of their worst Six Nations in 13 years. Both coaches, Wayne Pivak and Andy Farrell, are under big pressure to deliver. And so it's a must-win game for both sides. And for Ireland, there's just no two ways about it. Only a good start is vital because... In seven days after they play Wales, they go up against France, who are a much superior opposition. And that's going to be a very tough game. So there's already big pressure on to deliver. And definitely, if we, if we want to give ourselves the best chance possible going up, going up against the French, we need to ease some of that pressure on Andy Farrell and we need to get a result from the Wales game. And I suppose ahead of that game against France, is this the best type of game in preparation for that game? Or would it have been better if there was a if there was maybe a tougher game? But then again, that would have been a tougher start. start. But I suppose a tougher match would have been a, a better kind of preparation for France. Well, the only tougher game you were going to get was England. So you know, unless unless they were drawn with England first, then that wouldn't have been possible. Like they can only play the cards they've been dealt, and that's the way the fixtures have been drawn up. So you just got to roll with it. That's it. So I suppose where are, are the areas of uh, in the Welsh team that maybe the uh, the Ireland uh, team can exploit uh, this weekend uh, and uh, get the win? And I suppose as you were just saying there, uh, Wales's form lately ha- hasn't been the best. So this could this this is a, a very winnable game for Ireland. It is. I would see it as a winnable game. I wouldn't be taking Wales for granted. Uh, Ireland must show them some level of respect because if they don't. They could they could uh, come away come away with uh, no points from the Principality Stadium at the weekend. So they got to give Wales, you know, some bit of respect. But all things considered, it's a game that Ireland should win because this is a Welsh side. I've already alluded to their poor form in the Six Nations last year, but uh, their form across the internationals at large makes for even worse reading. Where under Wayne Pivak, they've only won three of their ten internationals. And those three games that they won were against two of them were against Italy, and the other one was against Georgia. And they're seen as uh, among the minnows of international rugby at the minute. Now I know how much has been made about Ireland and their poor record at the Principality Stadium, how they haven't won there in eight years. But I don't think too much should be read into that because in the past we were playing better Wales teams in years gone by. Uh, Wales have never been in a worse place or haven't been in a worse place for as a considerable period of time. So Ireland have a golden opportunity to put an end to that abysmal run at the Principality Stadium. And it's a game that if they play to their potential, they should win. That's it. And it is a stadium that, that you, normally when there's a crowd there, it has a, an atmosphere all of its own. And I suppose that, that applies to uh, the Aviva as well. But um, look, looking at the Wales team, are there, what are the players that you think that maybe Ireland need to single out to keep an eye on or need to control or you know get the better of in this game? Um, well, I think that they, they definitely need to contain uh, George North and 
Josh Adams in their backs because uh, both both of them can do can do serious damage if they if they get the ball. Uh, that of course uh, then means that Ireland need to be getting on top in the forwards because if they're not getting the ball from their forwards, then there's little pl- platform for them to do damage from. So Ireland will look to do- to dominate Wales up front, and you know this could, could be. It, it will depend on the availability of certain players for Wales. They're, they're waiting to see if Alan Wynne-Jones is going to be fit. He says he is, but it's yet to be known for certain. And Ken Owens, their hooker, has also been nursing an injury. It's unknown if he'll be available for the game. If those players aren't playing, then Ireland could really stifle and unsettle Wales up front. But if those players are playing up, up front, then... Obviously, it's going to be a little bit more evenly contested in the battle of the two packs, but it's one Ireland should win all the same. But I suppose Ireland are going in with their own injury worries uh, in in this uh, in this game as well, without Keelan Dowers and Quinn Rue as well. Uh, you know, two of them are two of them are huge losses. And uh, who who are the people? Who are the potential players that you feel would be uh, ideal to um, to replace them for this game? Well, Quaylen Doris is a huge loss. Uh, Queen Roo isn't as big a loss. Uh, Queen Roo is was, was kind of only in line to be among the substitutes anyway. But uh, Quaylen Doris is a massive loss because uh, he's been one of the real new finds for Ireland. And he was, even when we got well beaten by England at Twickenham, he was one of the few Irish players that impressed. He's been outstanding for Leinster in recent games as well. So to lose him is not ideal, shall we say. So... The way the way I see it is is that the back row will be rejigged. I I now expect Peter O'Mahony to line out at number six blindside flanker position, and uh, CJ Stander will revert to number eight, and then I can see that uh, Josh van der Fleer from Leinster will step in at number seven and play open side flanker. Josh van der Fleer is a player that would have been unlucky to lose out, uh, given that he has proven himself numerous times for both province and country. And he has to be seen as the front runner to replace him. I know Reese Ruddock has staked a strong claim for a starting place given his recent form, but uh, I narrowly favour Josh van der Fleer based, based on his experience at this level. And we can see now the value of CJ Stander's uh, versatility, the way he can all of a sudden revert to the number eight position once the back row requires a bit of uh, recalibration. Now, I suppose while Quayle and Doris is a big loss, I suppose if the, sil- if the dark cloud has a silver lining is that it occurred in the back row because the back row was one of the areas where we plenty cover. So it was never good to lose a player like Caelan Doris. But if the dark cloud has a silver lining, we've plenty of options in the back row. And I suppose really looking at those two players, depending on their injuries, um, what are the chances of having them back for the for the French game? It's uh, it's unclear as of yet. It's uh, it, it remains to be seen. And uh, well, I suppose we can only. Uh, go on the, the various updates. Uh, there, there's a short turnaround into the French game of only a week, so I suppose we'll have a better, clear, a clearer picture of whether or not they're going to be in line for selection this time next week. But the other thing I forgot to mention there is that uh, Quinn Rue is be, is uh, now absent for the Irish team, so in their place, uh, the Gavin Coombs has been called up, and so too is Leinster's Ryan Baird. Now, neither player will start, in my view, but... Both of them are well in contention to make the subs. Gavin Coombs, especially for me, should have been in the Irish squad from the start, given his uh, scintillating form at Munster. So 
I think that he, he's not quite ready to start yet at international level, but he's a type of player that could slot in on the bench. And if Ireland are in a winning position, they might give him some experience at maybe 20, 25 minutes to go, because I definitely think that uh, he's, it's time to start blending him into the national side, albeit gradually, because he has shown profits, uh, promise at Munster. And I suppose really this is the ideal game to do it because, you know, that I suppose um, Andy Farrell couldn't really afford it, well, depending on how he would have got on at club level or whatever, but uh, I suppose he couldn't really gamble on it if, if it was against France or England. Yeah, but to be honest, I don't think he can gamble on starting him here either because it's a must-win game. There's huge pressure on Ireland to win this game, so... I think that he, if he's going to give Gavin Coombs game time, it's going to be as a substitute. That's if at all, but he may never feature at all against Wales. But if he's going to do it, it'll be as a sub late on in the game because uh, there isn't really much scope for experimentation in this game, really, to be honest, because uh, as I said at the outset, it's a massive game and it's a must win for both sides. And uh, doing the predictions for the Six Nations, I suppose the winners... As you said in previous weeks or whatever, it's um, it's looking like it's between France and England for winning it. And, of course, the wooden spoon will probably go to either Italy or uh, Scotland. Although, have, do you think uh, Scotland have been making strides and improving over the last couple of years? Or are, are they the same old, same old Scotland that, that they were in, in other years? Scotland have improved slightly. And last year, you know, we saw them... You know, play play well in patches. They finished uh, fourth behind Ireland, France, and England. And of course, it's Scotland did, of course, uh, beat France and were the only team to do so. And they did so very impressively. But it, that that like that would seem to be a one-off result where Scotland to to took on a team that would have been ranked above them and won. We don't see that too often from Scotland. But uh, I still think that uh, they're not. They're not bad, but I still see them as the fourth best team and the fourth or fifth best team in the competition. In terms of winners, then I've kind of well, I've kind of changed my mind as to who I thought is going to win because I was always saying England were the team to beat, but uh, the absenteeism, high levels of absenteeism have actually swung the pendulum in France's favour because England are without a few players now for varying reasons. Kyle Sinclair is suspended; he's a massive loss at tight head prop. They're also without Sam Underhill through injury. Uh, Joe Launchbury is injured as well. And Joe Marler has uh, opted out for personal reasons. So uh, the four of them are all big losses. Now, England still are a strong side and they have great strength and depth. And I still see them as finishing second. But those absenteeism could make the difference between second place and first place. And France are a side that have really been one of the fastest improving sides in world rugby and they were, you know, they weren't too far away the last time out finishing second. They, the other thing about, uh, you know, their attacking, oppressive attacking stats is their uh, impressive brand of rugby, which is very attractive and very easy on the eye. And they've, they've all the hallmarks of a, of a side, you know, heading in the right direction. And I think this is set up for France to win the Six Nations. And at the other end of the table, then, you'd have to say it's going to be Italy for the wooden spoon. Scotland aren't really in danger of getting the wooden spoon at all. Italy have, you know, they haven't won a Six Nations game in six years. So there's massive pressure on them to put an end to this uh, losing streak that they're on. But there's been very little indicators uh, to show that they will end that losing streak. So it's looking like uh, the wooden spoon again for Italy, unfortunately.
And I suppose for firstly, from a, a management point of view, uh, you know, Connor Connor O'Shea has stepped down, and there's a, a new guy in charge. And uh, I suppose the new the new manager wouldn't make any di- make any difference to form. I suppose, uh, or it wouldn't, uh, you know, increase performance or anything. It's just it's just going to be uh, the, the the. I suppose we can't see them giving any any of the the uh, teams above them uh, uh, any sort of a game in any way. But yeah, but Connor O'Shea resigned from his role two years ago. You know that. Yeah, yeah, that's that's true. Yes, too, well, the, 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 any changes in management, you know, they've they've had two years to try and to try and rectify things at this stage, and then even like you know, they can only do so much because like there is a gulf in class in terms of like personnel, like the the the, the quality of players doesn't rival the likes of the standard bears and the Six Nations at the minute. That's it, and I suppose moving on to news just in and the condensed format of the women's Six Nations. Uh, to the start of April. Um, what, what are your thoughts on that? Well, uh, they, I suppose they made the decision recently to, uh, to, to postpone the tournament uh, due to COVID-19 and due to logistics. And the logic behind that was understandable because, you know, bar England, the rest of them are have a lot of amateur players. England are the only fully professional side. So instead of teams um, now getting five games in a standard Six Nations format, they now will have three games. So the way it works is that instead of uh, all six sides playing each other, is that they've split it into two pools of three. Ireland are in with France and Wales, and England are in with Scotland and Italy. And so they, at the end of that, then you know they they look at the pool standings and the two first teams, two te- the two first place teams face each other. The two second place teams face each other and the two third place teams face each other. So that's the format it's going to take. And it's also the new other news just in is that the under 26 nations is going to take the exact same format as the women's six nations. And again, for logistical reasons, it probably makes sense to give them reduced games. And do you think really just just going over to the men's game, do you think that's a format that could be brought into the men's game? Splitting the, you know, with the six nations having a two groups of three or is it better to leave it just the way it is in the men's game oh no better leave to, to leave it the way it was because you know the those players you know they'll want more game time they'll want more experience so the under the standard format they'll get five games instead of three and they'll want to be playing more often uh, to prepare them if especially if they're going to view under 20s as a progression pathway to senior international level. So I think that uh, as soon as things revert back to normal, whenever that is, they should look at uh, restoring the old format because the more games these players get, the better. That's it. And of course, uh, just moving on to the news, just briefly, uh, two items there. Uh, Andy Friend just signed signed a a new two-year deal and also um, a prediction for the Connacht versus Dragons game. Yes, I think it's a uh, well. It's it was expected that Andy Friend would stay on, and it was officially confirmed that he's signing on for another two-year deal. And what I, I have to say can only be described as a positive move for Connacht, given the the impressive job he's done since he took over in twenty eighteen. Um, Andy Andy Friend, he's so far he's uh, he's had his win rate rate as a Connacht manager is fifty two percent. He's been in charge of Connacht for sixty two games. And he's won uh, 52% of them. And in, if you look at all the managers Connacht have had since the professional era, the only manager with a higher win ratio is Warren Gatland. 
And Warren Gatland only took charge of Connacht for uh, two full seasons. Like Andy, a friend has been there already longer than two seasons and has taken charge of 61 matches. So he's a proven track record over a considerable period of time. And I, I talked about it too before on the show that uh, he has done good things for Connacht. And he's a, a man of incredible proficiency given his involvement with Eddie Jones and the Australian national sides and World Cups gone by. So definitely it's a, it's win-win for both sides there. And Andy Friend is the best man to take Connacht uh, into to progression at both uh, Pro 14 and European level. And then I suppose... They have the game that they need really this weekend, Connacht, because it's been a difficult time for Connacht really in the Pro 14 scene following back-to-back losses recently against Munster and against the Ospreys. This losing run should come to an end, however, when they go up against the Dragons uh, in this round. The Dragons are a team that Connacht would have the beating of, and while they are without uh, Paddy McAllister and Owen Masterson through injury and Tiernan O'Halloran uh, as well, they the the they they're all absent. They're, they're, all of them are sorry are back training, but um, it'll be it'll be a boost to, to have them back all the same. There is doubts, however, about Ben O'Donnell and Sean O'Brien, as it's it's unclear whether they'll be available or not. But regardless of whether they're in or out, you know, Connacht are a far better side than the Dragons, and should be looking to get the win here, and should be looking to win comfortably. That's it. Well, listen. Thanks very much for uh, doing in the line out with us this week, Michael. And uh, we look back. We look forward to looking back at uh, the Wales game next week, and of course uh, the the Connacht match there versus Ospreys. So uh, we look forward to talking to you then. Uh, Connacht versus the Dragons, you mean? Sorry, Connacht versus the Dragons. Yeah. Right. Uh, we'll talk to you again. No problem. Thanks very much. And that was Michael Cook, our um, our rugby.